informed and inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another episode. So in this episode, we're going to talk about a ministry of ears and a ministry of tears. And by that, I mean how we care for one another through listening and how we care for each other simply by being present. Our presence and our attentive listening are two profound ways we can extend the care and compassion of God to others. Thinking first about having a ministry of ears toward one another listening carefully and patiently to the problems others are facing, we should remember that we are called to listen to others because we have a Father in heaven who listens closely to us. Psalm 34 verse 17 says that when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 1 John 5 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And 1 Peter 3 verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open, or the NIV says attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What these verses teach us is that if we are the righteous, those who have been counted righteous because of Christ's sacrificial payment for sin as our substitute, who have trusted in him, and who are seeking to grow in righteousness because we love the one who is perfectly righteous, then we have God's eyes upon us and his ears open to us. We are precious to him, and he cares about us more than we can imagine. God's love and care for us should be the deepest motivator in our love for others. His love propels our love. And his open ear leads us to offer an open ear to others. And we all recognize how badly we need this, don't we? We have all experienced the incredible blessing of being heard by a friend. Sometimes we just need to unload the burdens of life, and a listening ear makes all the difference. Sometimes the other person doesn't even need to say anything. Simply listening to us express our burdened hearts can be so helpful and so healing. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't ever need to offer feedback or gentle correction, but sometimes we really do just need a safe place to vent our frustrations and to express our sorrows. So don't underestimate the magnificent power that a ministry of ears can have. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his little book called Life Together, has a section about the ministry of listening. And here's what he says. The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship of believers consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. So it is his work that we do for our brother when we learn to listen to him. Christians, especially ministers, so often think they must always contribute something when they are in the company of others, that this is the one service they have to render. 
they forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. Now, offering people an ear that will listen closely to the pain and troubles of life is unimaginably powerful. And we are being used by God in tremendous ways when we simply listen to others give expression to their hearts. When we care for each other's believers in the church, what we will often find through careful listening is that the prominent issue in a person's life is sometimes not the primary issue. It might be the most visible, but there may be deeper problems below the surface. Here's what I mean. Sometimes a person who is struggling with anxiety or anger or substance abuse has a much deeper problem underneath that struggle that is feeding it. For many people struggling with those things, there can be a past history of abuse where they've been severely mistreated and violated as a person. And the deep wound that was left fuels the sin pattern in the present. And we all have this tendency within ourselves to turn to other things to hide or to medicate our pain. My point, though, is that careful listening combined with asking good questions can help us discover those deeper problems and lovingly address them as we extend care and compassion to others. This can make a profound difference in evangelism as well. When we're developing relationships with non-Christians, listening closely to their objections to Christianity and asking good questions can help us discern the primary barriers that prevent them from seeing Christianity as the good, the beautiful, and the true story of the world. People's barriers are different, and the only way to discover what a particular person's barriers are is by listening and drawing it out of them with good questions. Our efforts at evangelism need to look more like a conversation than a sales pitch. And understanding and embracing the tremendous power of listening and asking good questions will help us begin that conversation with non-Christians that we have the privilege of doing life with or bumping into. Not only is a ministry of ears a deeply meaningful way to care for others, but a ministry of tears is also something beautifully powerful when it comes to our relationships. Romans 12 verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And Ecclesiastes 3 says that there's a time for everything. And it mentions that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, as well as a time to be silent and a time to speak. Wisdom, though, is needed to know when each response is appropriate. Sometimes in the most intense moments of grief, The most encouraging thing we can do for someone is simply to show up and be there with them. No words, or at least very few words, are necessary. The greatest encouragement and comfort come from your mere presence with them. And sometimes our words can even make things worse. When I first began full-time pastoral ministry, I was terrified at the thought of caring for someone in the midst of unspeakable grief. I didn't know what to say. I still don't know what to say sometimes, but I've learned that sometimes you don't really need to say anything and that saying something could be unhelpful, even if it has the best of intentions behind it. And the book that has helped me so much with this is called 
what grieving people wish you knew about what really helps and what really hurts, written by Nancy Guthrie. This really is the most practical and helpful book that I've read on caring for those who are grieving. Just to give you a glimpse of how helpful this book is, here are just a few things she shares in the book. First thing is that there is no timeline for grief. Because every person processes and walks through grief differently and at a different pace, we need to be patient while continuing to be present with them in their pain. In her book, Nancy Guthrie says this, It is a great gift to grieving people if those around them can be comfortable with their sadness, to not assume their sadness is a problem, but rather that the deceased was of such value that their absence justifies great sorrow. A person who is sad doesn't necessarily need to be cheered up, but needs time, space, and permission to simply be sad for a while. And she goes on to say that really there is nothing you can say that will make their loss hurt any less. It is going to hurt for a while. And yet what we so often want to do is say something encouraging that we hope will take even a tiny drop of their sadness away. But again, sometimes a simple acknowledgement of their pain means far more than trying to cheer them up. People need space to be sad about things in life. And approaching others with a ministry of tears means that we recognize that there's a time to be silent and simply be present with them in their sadness and grief. Sometimes in the midst of great loss, we may want to say something like, I'm so sorry. I know this is hard, but remember, God is good. While it's certainly true that God is good, and there will come a time when saying something like that is appropriate, but Nancy Guthrie, who's experienced deep loss herself, says that sometimes, especially in the initial experience of intense grief, a simple affirmation of their loss is more helpful. Instead, we might say something like this, I am so sorry. I can't imagine how hard this is for you, and I just want you to know that we love you. But if you're like me and the thought of caring for others in the midst of profound grief and pain intimidates you and impresses a sense of your own inadequacy on your heart, then check out Nancy Guthrie's book. It really is an incredible resource and a gift to the church as we seek to love those who are walking through the hard, dark road of mourning a significant loss in their lives. Another word of advice that she gives in her book is to resist the impulse to avoid those who are suffering or to withdraw from them because you're not sure what to say. Instead, move toward them in love, even if you aren't sure how to handle it. We can do this because God has moved toward us in Christ when we needed him most. But ask God for wisdom and give yourself grace as you learn how to love others well where they are. And remember, do not underestimate how powerful a ministry of ears and a ministry of tears can be. And may God give us grace to grow in these ways as we extend love and compassion toward each other and the world around us. That's it for this episode of Informed and Informed. Thanks so much for joining me. 
and I look forward to connecting with you again next time.